When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I'm Spencer Toon. I'm Keith McGuffey. And I'm Mike Templeton. And this week, we are covering TMNT movie from 2007, the CGI movie, because... You got to give it a little bit more pomp and circumstance than that. And this week, we're covering the 2000... Or the TMNT... The, you know, I just, I'm giving you, I'm giving you crap about it. And I messed it up. Yeah. Now it is, it is TMNT, right? It's not Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's specifically TMNT. Yeah. TM, TM abbreviated. I mean, I guess, I guess it could be an acronym because like, this is partially what people know it as, but specifically we are talking about TMNT from 2007 uh a warper brothers movie which i always forget that it is mm-hmm. yeah animated by a magi studios which honestly like every single time i watch this movie i'm like how did this studio go out of business because they do a good job poor management i mean probably I mean, and that's that's what happened oh what else have they done I didn't even... uh they did this movie and astro boy yeah. Ah, okay. Which was which wasn't a bad movie. Unless you were an Astro Boy fan, then it was a pretty bad movie. Yeah, I remember watching it. I, I remember having seen it. And I remember the butt gun scene. And that was it. That, that's oh, all I mean, I- everybody everybody remembers the, the machine guns from his butt. Yeah. I mean, as far as like Astro Boy, it's it's a modern take. Like it's not terrible. It's just not classic Astro Boy. Um, but we're not talking about Astro Boy. We're talking about Imagi's <laughs> best movie, their only other one, um, <laughs> the 2007 movie, which uh, I'm sure we'll debate about it later. But is 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 slash isn't in continuity with the original trilogy? Who knows. Sources vary on that. Creators disagree on that. But you know what? That's not for us to decide. Yeah. Yeah. The second time around, kind of material. We got to actually summarize it first, right? right? Do we have to summarize it or does Spencer have to summarize it? Are we doing our, our standard minute super lightning round or Spencer, do you want to take the whole thing? I can take the whole thing. Oh, I thought we decided he was taking the whole thing. Perfect. Okay, <laughs> I will take the whole thing this time. We'll break tradition. All right. Hey, since this is, did Mike and I just is... like? Can we just butt in with like, ooh, ah, good job. <laughs> well, I'm gonna, 
Well, without further ado, let me tell you a story. The Ancient One did tell me a story I think you guys would want to hear. About Master Splinter's master, Hamato Yoshi. Well, let's hear it! Alright, so this movie was released on March 23rd, 2007. So it's about to turn 15 years old when this episode comes out. The next day That's it will. right. Which is why we're doing this now. And I the forgot 15, to yeah, we yeah, we didn't we didn't leave with that. It's the 15th anniversary of this movie. Yeah, that's insane. I feel so old. Like yeah. I am old, but man. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, this movie's been around for the majority of my life. Anyway. <laughs> this movie stars Chris Evans as Casey Jones, Shara Michelle Jeller as April. Mako is Splinter. Patrick Stewart. Sarah, Shara Michelle Jeller. I, Sarah Michelle Jeller. I think that's how you say that, right? Geller. Geller. Vampire Slayer. Oh, it's Geller. Sarah Michelle. Sarah Michelle Geller. Sarah Michelle Geller. All right. Well, I don't really. Yeah, I think I heard someone say she was Buffy. <laughs> yep, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> you think she was Buffy? I'm sorry. sorry Too young. That's the problem. I know. I know. I know. God. Oh my God. Uh, well, I mean, sorry to. We're, I love, you know, mystery science theatering this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what's crazy is like Chris Evans, like Chris Evans wasn't Chris Evans at this point. No, I think he like, so this, this, this movie wasn't starring Chris Evans. Yeah, I think he'd I maybe, think, I think he'd maybe been the human torch at this point. Yeah. Oh, human yeah. Torch yeah actually, and another, not another team movie were kind of the two big actually, things. Actually, you done. are right. He had a, uh, Chris Evans had top billing, according to the movie poster. Mm-hmm. Continue. <laughs> we have Mako as Splinter. You also may know him as Uncle Iroh. His Mako last Uematsu. movie. Mm-hmm. A whole bunch of stuff. Patrick Stewart as Winters. Ziyi Zhang is Karai. Zhang Ji. Flip it. Oh, okay. Sorry, I, I read it. I read it as it was written in the credits. Credits. Yeah, Zhang Ji. Zhang Ji. Okay. She voiced Cry. Lawrence Fishburne is the narrator. Mitchell Whitfield, Donatello. James Arnold Taylor, Leonardo. Mikey Kelly is Michelangelo, and Nolan North as Raphael. And Kevin Smith as Diner Cook. Yes. <laughs> also, one of the Stone Generals is played by John DiMaggio. Uh, uh, no. John DiMaggio is the uh, warlord at the beginning of the movie. So the four generals, the four stone generals are Kevin Michael Richardson uh-huh. uh, as General Aguila. Uh, and then you have Fred Tatashore as, I believe, the little leopard one. Uh-huh. Uh, who, these all don't have, these characters don't have names in the movie. Um, They're named in the they, they're named in the credits. Yeah. Uh, so Aguila is Kevin Michael Richardson. That's Eagle. Fred uh, Tatashore is Gato. Fred Tatashore. Um, uh, it's Paula something. I don't recognize her. Matthew uh, Lee. Yeah, she plays the only girl general. And Serpente. the last general. And the last general is uh, Frank Walker. As Mono, which means monkey. Huh. I guess I read that wrong in the credits. Anyway, John DiMaggio was in there. I didn't write that one down. <laughs> I just wanted to point it out. He's, 
house he's the warlord at the beginning of the movie yeah like this is a stacked voice cast for for a ninja turtles movie yeah like nolan north i think is my favorite Raphael. i also really like james arnold taylor's leonardo both golden and both are master class voice actors uh they're everywhere yeah. pretty much if you've watched anything they have been they've voiced in it <laughs> <laughs> anyway our story opens with a uh some exposition the turtles have defeated the shredder already and their next threat Four is introduced. brothers Four yeah turtles yeah we didn't even we didn't mention lawrence fishburne as the narrator <laughs> i did mention him. you said it yeah yeah oh Lawrence Fishburne has the narrator. <laughs> Such a great voice. Sounds so cool when he's narrating it. Like, you can't yeah. really top it. But, uh, yeah. So we get, you know, the turtles introduced and we've got uh, explained to us that they have already defeated the Shredder at this point in their story. So it's already happened. It's out of the way. And then their next threat is introduced by way of Fellowship of the Ring intro. In other words, you know, you get nice sepia tones and you kind of get the history of, you know, this thing explained. So there was an ancient warlord who dominated everything with his four generals. He heard of a legendary portal that would show up uh, when a bunch of stars aligned and that they would give him immortality. He successfully touches the portal when it arrives and is granted immortality. However, his generals are turned to stone and 13 monsters are unleashed on the world. Now, present-day Central America, Leo is becoming a secret champion of the people, uh, thought to be a ghost of the jungle. April is in the area on a business trip and finds him. She explains that his family has become distant from one another and each is chasing their individual exploits. They are lost without him. Raphael is playing vigilante as the night watcher. Donatello does tech support for a living, and Michelangelo has become a party entertainer or a party dude, if you will. They need him back. Uh, I won't. Okay. okay. I, I won't. Sorry. <laughs> Leo says he can't go back because he feels like he has failed to learn what he was sent down there to learn in his training, and then he disappears. April goes back and delivered what she traveled to Central America for to a man called Winters. It's a statue of a stone general. After she leaves, Karai and the Foot show up and are hired by Winters to greet some mystery visitors that will be coming to the city. Leo has now decided to come home. He meets with Splinter, who says that uh, Leo and his brothers must train and become one again before they are allowed to fight. While out on their training, the turtles run into the Foot fighting one of Winters' visitors, a giant hairy monster. They try to help them, but naturally the foot is hostile and then leaves the monster to the turtles. They don't win the fight, and the monster gets away after destroying much of the partially constructed building they were in. Cry reports back to Winters and is upset with him for not warning him the visitors were monsters. He tells her, too bad, so sad. We made a deal, and now they will be working under the stone statues of the generals that he has now brought to life with some sort of advanced technology that he's placed on them. Now, the Foot and the Stone Generals make short work of the monsters and capture most of them in a montage. Uh, Raph and Casey are out busting heads when they see a monster flying overhead. They chase after it and see the Foot and Stone Generals capture it. Casey compromises their position, and one of the generals orders 
uh, orders that they get the witnesses that just saw them because there can't be any witnesses, obviously. No witnesses. Exactly. They get Raff with a trink dart and a stone shuriken thing, but Casey and Raff still barely escape. They meet with everyone at April's and Casey relays the info that they were attacked by the generals that April had delivered to Winters. Donnie also lets everyone know that the Trank Dart has Winters' name written on it. You know, it's actually literally written on it. April puts the pieces together by recounting the myth that she had heard about Yaudel, the warlord, uh, and that Winters must be him and that he must be trying to revive his brothers and use the portal to continue his conquest or something. There is one detail we don't learn from her, but we do learn in a conversation with Winters and one of his generals. If the monsters are returned to the portal, like Winter's plans, then he and his generals will no longer be immortal. His generals secretly don't like that and plan to betray him. Meanwhile, Raph has had enough of Leo and quits the team. There has been a lot of tension between them because uh, Leo just kind of left them behind for so long. And, you know, Raph is just, he's Raphael. There's always tension between the two of them. After further study, Donnie and April have figured out where the portal will hit, and they need to get all the monsters back into the portal to stop Winters. They've, they figured this out through study and, and looking at things. Splinter gives them his blessing if Leo can complete his team, so Leo goes out to find Raph. Raph is out being Night Watcher and tussles with one of the monsters, but after that is over, he is discovered and chased by Leo, who does not know he's the Night Watcher. Leo catches up with him and starts lecturing Night Watcher. Uh, and Raphael, of course, takes this opportunity to fight his brother and attacks. Leo bests him and lands an uppercut with this final blow that knocks off Raph's helmet, revealing who he is. They argue some more and then fight. Raph wins this time by breaking Leo's swords. After being left behind by Raph, Leo is shot with a trank and kidnapped by the Stone Generals. They plan to swap him out in place of the 13th monster and retain their immortality behind Winter's back. Raph sees that they've taken Leo, but it's too late. They've left by the time he gets there. He goes back to the lair, tells Splinter, who imparts words of wisdom to him. Uh, they're going to go get Leo back now. Everyone, including Casey and April, suit up for the battle and go to Winter's tower where the portal will be arriving. They fight through hordes of foot and get into the building then get their brother out of imprisonment. Meanwhile, Winters has discovered his general's treachery and is thrown across the building right next to the family. They confront him and tell him it's time for all of this to end, to which he agrees. He just wants to get the monsters back into the portal and die already. Immortality is a curse. The foot catch up and the generals walk in. The foot side with Winters because he hired them and they set out to find the 13th monster and collect it with Casey and April. The turtles fight the generals. Splinter and Winters knock mo new monsters that are coming out of the portal back in. Eventually, the turtles get everyone into place and knock the generals into the portal. The generals, however, emerge right back out of it, but then the cavalry arrives with the 13th monster in tow. April swerves uh, the van that they are driving out of the way faster than the monster can stop itself and the momentum carries the monster into the portal. The phenomenon passes and the turtle family stands witness as Winters finally gets to die and evaporates into dust. They look triumphantly outside on a new day. 
Then Raptor delivers a speech to the audience as the turtles run across the rooftops. The end. Riveting. Just there's a, there's a lot happening in this movie. Yeah, the, I I really there was a few details I probably could have left out of my summary, but it, like a lot of that I needed to keep in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a great summary. Better than I would have done. <laughs> Thank you. I tried. It's hard for me to not distill this movie down to like the two minute fight scene between Leo and Raph. Like whenever anyone's like, "What happens in this movie?" I'm like, "Well, Leo and Raph fight," but there's like all this other stuff going on. <laughs> like, it is kind yeah. of the, it is kind of the climax of the movie in mm-hmm. a way because I feel like the family drama is written a lot stronger than the other plot. Um, and so. Well, yeah. We'll definitely be getting into that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, then. Let's uh, talk about our second time around stuff. Hey, uh, nice junk. So, should we start off by saying when and where we were in our lives when we saw this? Uh, I think so. So, Spencer was three, which we've established. Three? <laughs> I was like ten. No, how old was I? Ten. ten. All right. 10 and the I had I grew up like with a mom that was very sensitive to movie ratings and things and in the movie rating it said mild language that's just what it said there's not a single curse word in this whole movie but uh nonetheless I was not able to see it in theaters and didn't get to see it till it came out on dvd but I then watched it over and over and over and over again that kind of sucks and honestly, like, sucks is what I just said is worse than anything they say in this movie. <laughs> I think I think the lang- the strong language comes from like I think they mentioned like killing at some point. Yeah, like I mean, it could also be in some of like the background music. Uh, I you know I'd have to like really listen to some of the lyrics of some of the stuff, but it could be that as well. Mm-hmm. I I really think that it also could be because sometimes movie ratings they try and bolster them a little bit to like appeal to an audience. And so it wouldn't surprise me if there was the people that love the 1990s movie that remember the iconic swearing in it. And uh, you know, they thought that might drag them in if they, they maybe got that rating on there. I don't know. Those ratings are all, there's no consistency with them whatsoever. I was, that was part of a study that was like trying to code those, uh, kind of codified into studying them and it's it's all over the place it's just yeah. whatever the whim of whoever's watching it that day can just make up whatever they want in yeah. fact uh the third movie is rated like pg for swashbuckling adventure whatever the hell that means yeah. So... Yeah. that means swashbuckling adventure yeah. <laughs> but there's no pirates you know there's pi- yes there are i mean technically walker is a pirate Don't don't pirates steal things from other people? He's trying to sell things to them. He's more of a salesman than a pirate. (laughs) I mean, I mean, doesn't mean he didn't steal those cannons and to sell them. (laughs) Grasping at straws, I feel. Uh, Mike, where were you when when this movie came out? Uh, As the oldest of uh, our trio here, uh, I was in my mid twenties. at this point uh working and i remember seeing this uh seeing the tra- the original trailer for this um and i had been to 
I'd been to Comic-Con a couple times, um, but I think this is where I really started to like get back into the TMNT community. Um, Cause I remember I was originally getting back onto like Technodrome at this time and then um, getting to know people in the industry and like following movie blogs and stuff like that. So I, th I, I remember very early this movie. Um, and then I remember going to see it and uh, taking my, I took my dad to see it. Um, cause, you know, cause why not? You know, he took me to go see Ninja Turtles. So I took him to go see this one. Um, and I, I remember we both, we both generally liked it. Um, and then I remember, I remember being really like amazed at this movie when it first came out because uh, so this is the uh, like spring 2007 um, and two weeks before this movie came out uh, one of the biggest movies of 2007 had come out which was 300 by Zack Snyder and that was like this is, that, that was it wasn't Zack Snyder's first movie but it was like his big one that everyone was like oh dang mm -hmm. like after um Dawn of the Dead and I remember it specifically because like 300 was like the number one movie until TMNT came out and knocked it out of first place oh wow yeah um, and I just remember being like dude that's awesome like because, and so like I mean granted 300 took it took the number one spot back again later I think but mm -hmm. like for one week Ninja Turtles was the number one movie in America it's a movie like made its money back like threefold I think it was like 34 million budget against like a 95,000 box office 95 million uh, so yeah so 34 million um, roughly was its budget um, and then in America made just under 55 million and then worldwide was 95. That's cool. Huh. Yeah, I remember hearing that, I don't know, whenever usually I hear people talk about this, they kind of talk about it as like a box office failure. I didn't know it was that successful. It, yeah. yeah, like this movie made money. Um, it just, it didn't make like insane amounts of money because, because yeah. again, like, you know, you had 300, like two weeks before which was like boom 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 mm -hmm. um and with this like it, like it didn't do amazing numbers especially like compared to movies now like 95 million worldwide I mean, and, and that's kind of the thing you have to look at too is like a lot of movie studios don't look at worldwide totals they look at america totals mm -hmm. which yeah. in this case it only it didn't it only made about 20 million more which only yeah only 20 million you know sounds stupid when you say it like that but like to studio execs like yeah like this probably should have performed a little bit better mm -hmm. i mean um, I, I imagine if it was released now especially now that you have people that have nostalgia for those movies that have kids i think it would do better you know i think that's part of why you know a lot of nickelodeon series have done as good as they have as well is because like i don't think I don't think this particular movie would, uh -huh. but but you're but you're not wrong. Yeah, like, I think I think if they I think if you released it now, 
because we got to remember like 2007 was a weird time for you know ninja turtles too like 2007 was the uh i think you this was fast forward time mm-hmm. and so like 2003 like the series was kind of in this weird spot where yeah. like you know they had that big change where like you know it was very uh controversial controversial um and then also like peter laird kind of stepped away from volume four of the comic to work on this movie too Mm -hmm. so like tmnt like as a franchise was in this weird spot like where it was kind of all hands on deck for this movie which is why the movie kind of became the big rebrand for turtles as a franchise all the way up until you know peter sold it to nickelodeon because one interesting thing like i found out was that there the toy line i mean I, and i kind of knew this too because i i had bought the movie figures um for for the turtles was that um there is no uh back to the sewers toy line yeah which is incredible like, because it, like i mean that's the series where they're like all wearing cyber armor and have like vehicles and the internet and stuff like it's clearly a toy line yeah well those vehicles they had to incorporate in the show the vehicles they use in the internet they had to incorporate in the show for toys to sell toys like that was why those vehicles were what they were yeah and then they didn't make any toys out of them yeah and so they didn't really make any toys of them which which was which is what i'm saying like it was a really weird time for ninja turtles like Mm -hmm. they only they only kind of got out two or three waves of the toys um before everything kind of shut down and then turtles was gone for a couple of years before 2012 came um so yeah it, it was it was really really interesting time hmm. i got more details but i but you know keith's got to tell us where he was yeah <laughs> oh yeah. yeah 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 uh this was my freshman year of college and uh i went i remember we went to the twin creek cinema in bellevue nebraska it was like myself and like four friends and like dates also so it was like an eight person party going there and uh i just remember like i was way more into it than everyone else was <laughs> like i remember like the part where raf breaks leo's swords i must have like gasped or something because like i remember like my friends looking over at me like are you okay man i'm like dude he broke his swords wait <laughs> like like afterwards like guys that was great they're like who the hell was cry like they hadn't they were like completely lost with everything but oh yeah i was way more into it than all of them it was it was a great <laughs> no it's definitely something i realized is like if you had only if you grew up essentially just watching the 87 series and the movies and you were a kid and then you watched this and you saw Karai, like yeah. you would be totally thrown for a loop like i imagine that you would not like like who is this character that's taken over the foot who is she and then you never got that answer because there was never a sequel yeah i'm not even sure they say her name in this movie maybe winter no they do does. yeah, yeah. winters winter says it yeah mm-hmm. but yeah they were completely lost and they were expecting you know pizza jokes and, and stuff and none of that's in the movie so <laughs> yeah which like yeah like this movie is it's it's a weird mishmash of like trying to kind of be everything but then also like try to be its own thing too and like you have you have really kind of conflicting 
stories and like things they want to tell with it um but yeah like the production for this movie is just it's 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 weird because like peter was was all in he was like he he was executive producer mm-hmm. um and it really i to me it feels like this was like peter's like big i want to try and like redo the turtles and like make it a pop culture thing my way i think more so than like 2003 mm-hmm. yeah i don't know especially because especially because like at this point like 2003 had kind of gotten away from him with things like back to the sewer and like the whole ninja tribunal season getting cut and stuff like that so i think peter had to refocus yeah because like he was doing the comic and then this and mirage actually put out like prequel comics for this movie mm-hmm. yeah i have i have the donatello one which is weird he like makes a tracker that can scan every brain wave on the earth and that's how he finds like the bat monster it's really strange it didn't, yeah, it didn't really add anything to the movie experience in my my opinion but well i mean because like it the the prequel comics like are are weird because like they kind of are required reading like the raf issue specifically talks about where he gets the night watcher armor from oh cool and like if you didn't if you didn't read the comic, like you would, I mean, granted, it's not a huge plot point. Like, you know, it's pretty obvious that he's a giant metal turtle, Mm. (laughs) but it's, it's weird. Like, cause they, they did this whole thing. And so like the night watcher was like a vigilante. Um, And it was like, it was like a whole thing because like this incorporated like the triceratons yeah, you know, I so I have the the comic adaptation of the movie itself also, and they talk when Raph's on the roof talking to Casey, he does mention like fighting Triceratons and Utrams, and I know that Winters has a Triceraton skull in his room, so like clearly the, they were trying to make a bigger universe here. Yeah, and so like in so this this summary says like in Raph's prequel comic, the turtles are busy flushing some Triceratons from the sewers. Raph overhears an old man being mugged on the street above. Leo refuses to allow him to interfere. However, he deems the turtle uh, because they need to get rid of the Triceratons. After the Triceratons are beaten, Raph goes to help the old man but finds it's too late. The man has been beaten up. Um, he snaps at Raph for being late to his rescue and storms off to his home. Sometime later, Raph witnesses a mugging in progress and beats up the thieves, giving the victim, a young woman, back her purse. The old man's home had been in the earshot of the attack. And he approached Raph, suggesting that he follow him. The old man's name is David Merriweather, and he tells Raph that back in his younger days, he was a crime fighter uh, named the Night Watcher. Hmm. And he just and gave him a suit him, after that? And then just gives it, yeah, and then just gives him the armor. Hmm. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. So he's on his way back. Uh, Raph gets a phone call from Leo, who gets mad at him. As he's talking with his brother, he fails to catch a group on the street that have broken into David's building. He hears a gunshot and races to find David on the floor dying. David has Raph promised to avenge his death and to take his, vag- his vigilante gear so that his family wouldn't find it. Raph is, in- is instructed to find the costume, weapons, and motorcycle behind a bookcase. Raph fulfills the dying man's wishes. So it's like... For the second there, I thought he robbed a dead man. I'm glad it turned <laughs> out that he was able to like take my suit and not just like die. And Raph was like, okay, I guess this yeah. is mine now. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, none of that none of that 
is implied in the in the comic or in the movie Mm -hmm. and it's like that kind of gives Raph more of a real reason to be mad at Leo. Like, yeah, I guess. Leo's yelling at him and says, don't go help those other people. Granted, they, they had a mission. Leo has a point to make. But, like, Raph, like, you know, not going to go save David because, you know, Leo's yelling at him on the phone. Like, that would give Raph a great reason to be mad at Leo. Mm-hmm. I've heard people say before that like this movie feels like a sequel to a movie that was never made, and it, I, I kind of so, get it. Like the buy-in's pretty high, but yeah. Yeah. So the so and so that's the thing is like they they had talked about how this movie was supposed to be the turtles older, and it's it's what we talked you know what we joked about earlier. You know, this movie could be seen as a sequel to the original trilogy, mm-hmm. or as kind of its own thing. Um, and depending on who you ask, like Peter Laird said, no, this is its own continuity. Kevin Monroe, the writer director, said, no, this is a loose sequel to the original trilogy. Um, you know, it, it so it kind of just depends on your own headcanon. Me, yeah. me, I don't care. It doesn't. It doesn't. It it works as a as a fourth movie, but also at the same time, like. I don't think about it too much because it's Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the, so the so the turtles, uh, I in this movie because like I know they were supposed to be older. Uh, I assumed that they were like in their late twenties, like kind of you know kind of kind of more toward how Peter was writing them in, in Volume Four of Mirage at the time, but apparently like they're supposed to only be like eighteen nineteen. In a Keith's continuity corner, which uh, Spencer, if some sort of a theme song drops right there for that segment, oh, that'd be great. Keith's continu- Keith's <laughs> let continuity, continuity corner. I hope, <laughs> let, I me hope a, let me work on a let me work on a song for that one. Uh, nothing elaborate. You just throw in the Harlem Globetrotters theme song, or like uh, something by Spice Girls. It doesn't matter. But uh, so for me, I I think this fits in best in the 2003 series. Uh, as like a alternate telling of the rest of it. So there's an episode, the ancient one, mm-hmm. where Leo gets mad at Splinter and attacks him and like hurts his ear. And he's like, I've, I've mastered every lesson you've given me. And Splinter's like, yeah, you're right. And he sends him away to train. And I think if you stopped right there and then started this movie with a with like a little subtitle that said like two years later, it fits just perfectly right after that episode. Leo's back from... Uh, Back from training, uh, that's the series where Raphael already has a motorcycle. We know who Karai is. Shredder's been defeated. Uh, the only wrinkle really is that April is an artifact hunter, but we also know that her uncle Augustus used to do that. So she's just kind of following in his footsteps. I think it fits yeah, perfectly like there. Thing. But there really, I think it's its own thing. There is a this. hitch. There is a hitch. Huh? Leo asks Karai, who are you? After he first meets her when she's running off. He doesn't know who Karai is. Oh, I thought he said, like, who are you working for? Oh, he says, who are you working, working for? for? You're like, right. He, like, so he, yeah, yeah, he knows who Karai is. It's so, like, because like, when Karai like, sees him, she, she just says, you, and they start fighting. Like, okay. this they could clearly be have some sort loose, of history. Yeah, this could be a loose sequel to 2003 as well. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, and that you have that pivot point, like you'd said, like, this could, this springs off from that. Uh, it's, 
yeah, like I said, this movie fits in a weird non-continuity, maybe continuity place in in Ninja Turtles, which also Turtles Forever, when Shredder's looking at the multiverse, this is its own multiverse. Mm-hmm. You see the 1990 movie, and then you see this one, mm-hmm. yeah. like as as two different as two different timelines. So. Really, to me, like there's no reason it couldn't be in the movie universe, but like the only references to it are those Easter eggs in the trophy room at the end, which like half of those shouldn't even be there because like Shredder's helmet was turned into Super Shredders. They didn't bring back the samurai armor with them. There's also like a Mauser and Triceraton blaster there and a golden shield that we saw them use in the the Mirage comics. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then also like you have, but then also Casey, some of the jokes that Casey makes are jokes from the first movie Mm -hmm. like you have the two minute for high sticking um and uh there was there was another one that he says girl scouts were pushy yeah he says he says oh i thought girl scouts were pushy that's mike mikey's line i thought insurance salesmen were pushy Mm -hmm. um and so so yeah maybe but like ultimately it's not important it's how it's however you want to enjoy this film. If you enjoy it as a sequel to the original trilogy, then by all means, it's a sequel to the original trilogy. Don't let what Peter Laird said distract you from how you want to enjoy this movie. Yeah, for me, more than anything, is it's, you know, I don't know, like we, we've all seen enough turtles that we have a general idea. I mean, apparently not people who, you know, had only watched those original movies, but most people that are like still in are still kind of hardcore fans still have a general idea of what Turtles is and where and how things take place and move along. And so you can just kind of go into this watching it and you can already be past Shredder and you can already just kind of move into a new story that, you know, has something different and new for it that can visit new ideas that are beyond his death yeah like this this movie is is up there with turtles 3 for me because like it's not shredder focused Mm -hmm. and it's it's one of the only turtles media that really isn't shredder focused um yeah whenever i see someone like where should i start with ninja turtles like this is never the movie that's brought up like this is like advanced reading you know (laughs) like you have to have a working knowledge of turtles to to enjoy yeah like and and I think that's I think that's part of where this movie really suffers is like you have you kind of have to have that homework before yeah. before coming into it. Yeah, it's it's made for fans, but at the same time, it's not. You know, like and that's yeah, kind of like, like this can, thing is like it doesn't lean into being made for fans. Like it, it tries to keep itself light enough on all that so that like mm-hmm. you know someone who's just watching this movie can just watch this movie. But at the same time, there's a lot of things that if you've been like a hardcore fan watching this whole time or watching, you know, the cartoon that was coming out at the time, you get it. Uh, yeah, like you don't you don't need to know who Hamato Yoshi is because it's never brought up in this movie. Like, yeah. you know, you, you barely even need to know who Karai is because the movie, you know, the movie through storytelling just tells you she's in charge of the foot right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so like stuff like that like you don't really need to do your homework you just need kind of a passing knowledge of like okay the ninja turtles are four turtles they have a rat dad Uh, okay like i think if if anything the only confusing thing would be like how casey and april know the turtles 
because it's already implied that they've had that relationship already. Mm-hmm. But but even then, like you're like, okay, they got human friends. Like it, this movie, this movie is very simple, um, which like to me, it's it's not really an anchovy because like I'm not, I don't hate the hate this about the movie, but it's very mid. Like this is this is this is kind of a baseline Ninja Turtles movie. It's not great, but it's not terrible. It's just kind of there for me. Mm-hmm. Speaking of though, you mentioning it not bringing up Master Yoshi before, there actually is in the background of Splinter's dojo, like his little like room place that he lives. You can see a Japanese man, like a picture of one up on his wall. There's some like characters written next to him. No, but, but what I'm saying is like who he is. Oh, I know, yeah, I know. It doesn't bring it doesn't up say story. who he is. This is just a second time around little Easter egg I found. Yeah. Oh, okay. Is that 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 guy is probably supposed to be Master Yoshi up in the background? So I watched I watched this with the DVD commentary by Kevin Monroe, which was fantastic. It was it was cool to see him like or hear him talk about like how they broke down the movie and like it changed as they went and everything. But he did say that he pointed out that that picture specifically and said it is Hamato Yoshi. Awesome. Yeah. Let's see, is it like, is it Splinter when he was a Mato Yoshi? Or is like, how did Splinter, if he was a pet rat, get a picture of Mato Yoshi? <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. It's for whoever's yeah. head can. It's, it's forever, however mm-hmm. you want to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, he did say something cool too that uh, like Peter Laird pushed back on. He wanted Casey Jones to like put down a golf ball and get out a golf club in that, in that final fight scene. And like hit it and like get a foot soldier 200 yards away and peter was like nah, that's not really casey and like i feel like that's what casey's become since then is like a sports-based superpower hero but yeah like, I, I like him better when he's just like hitting people with sticks you know <laughs> I, yeah i, I mean get behind the hitting golf balls and baseball like baseballs and hockey pucks at people i just yeah exploding hockey pucks yeah yeah I mean, me. yeah, and that's and that's fair. Like it's it's become a gimmick. Like because originally, yeah, Casey was just a guy who wanted to beat up bad guys. It's just the only equipment he had was sports gear. Yeah, yeah. Like, and there was and, like there's like a whole cut story with April and Casey like having a rocky relationship and uh, Casey proposing to her at the end. But, like, but like, Kevin Moreau was saying like like that was enough for a whole other movie, so we just kind of cut all of it. <laughs> yeah because like there's like kevin monroe like had a trilogy planned apparently because mm-hmm. we, we had seen we had seen like a, a teaser uh like concept photo for uh tmnt2 which like it has mikey and then like the other three turtles and shredder or in splinter are like demutated and then mm-hmm. like there's this like creepy picture of shredder in the background and it just says tmnt2 in that like faux Japanese style writing that is really not cool um, but uh, apparently so his trilogy and I have I had it pulled up here I think the second one was joining the foot plan and the third one would have been like Triceratons or something. Yeah, it would have been like a Triceraton war. Um, and so like, yeah, like it, it kind of sounds interesting. I don't think this was a great foundation to build that trilogy off of, but I mean, 
it, it, it sucks that, that like that never that never happened yeah look as a kid who technically you know since i was a kid was the target audience of this movie this was a great foundation to build the trilogy on <laughs> <laughs> that's all right that's fair yeah. um kind of yeah, rapid I, fire a couple things i would have loved to see uh, more I, of it but yeah uh, that's what we got i thought it was funny that the stone generals and yaudel um have spanish names like aguila um and like yeah like yeah but span but they're but they're four thousand years old (laughs) and that's way before spain spain had invaded mexico (laughs) that's true yeah (laughs) and so like they wouldn't have Spanish names. They should have like these these were because because like they're supposed to be like Aztec. Yeah, Yeah, Aztec names. Yeah. So thought that was a little funny. Um, The the fight, the rooftop fight with with Leo and Raph, um, it's 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 very iconic. And I because I remember the the original trailer and like it was a very prominent shot in the trailer of like Raph running up to the edge of the building and the camera zooming out and it says like red eye cafe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, it feels like that should be a reference, but I cannot find any reference to that anywhere. I haven't either. Yeah. One other thing I will point out is that it is interesting. I mean, maybe interesting is the right word, but it's kind of, I guess, another Peter Laird trope that the stone generals have the Aztec look because definitely during like volume four and stuff, Peter Laird was really interested in adding like Aztec looking creations and characters and kind of Aztec things. Like they come in volume four in the battle nexus thing. Hmm. Uh, You kind of start seeing it. And I think that that is possibly Jack Kirby inspired because Jack Kirby also takes from a lot of those for his designs for like the new gods and things like that like big barda if you look at her mm. or if you look at the design for uh this isn't new gods but this is marvel but if you look at uh wow this just totally left me what's his name <laughs> the big giant planet eater galactus galactus yes galactus yeah. if you look at him very aztec design hmm. so, uh, uh yeah i guess i could see that uh, yeah I, I get it yeah. um another thing um the i can't remember where i saw this um i i can't remember where i originally where i originally read it but the uh ooze canister in splinter's little memento room Mm -hmm. uh they changed like they changed the look of it from like the original movies and the way it's cracked so if you look at it it doesn't say tcri or tgri the it's it says t r i and then there's the way the crack is it covers the c or the g Mm -hmm. so technically it could be either depending on what continuity you want to put this in Mm -hmm. i just thought that was a neat little detail neat little detail i liked um there's a part i think it's like when they're eating cereal and raf and leo are like glaring at each other oh god but splinter (laughs) walks in he's like humming a song 
And that's apparently yeah. that was an ad lib thing that that Mako that did. Ma- that Mako would do. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a it's a lullaby. His mom used to sing to him. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's adorable. Yeah. It is. Um, I I thought you were going to say for some reason that the spoons that Raph and Leo are using are gigantic. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've got massive mouths, so it makes sense. Yeah, true. But they're like, like they're like boating they're, oars. They're huge. Yeah, they're, yeah like they're, they're, the spoon part isn't just big; they're long spoons. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Oh man. Um, so the 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 thirteen beasts that get released, like the whole the whole thing with them is like they're supposed to they they've said it a couple times that they're supposed to have inspired been inspired and also inspire like myths about monsters. So like one of them is supposed to be Bigfoot. Yeah, oh. um, the, the, the one, one that, skyscraper is Bigfoot. Yeah, and then the one like Raph fights in the diner in kevin smith's diner is supposed to be the jersey devil oh um yeah and then the and, there's like the cyclops centaur thing which could be yeah. one or the other yeah i think oh. the last one is supposed to be the loch ness monster is what kevin monroe said so. which is just weird that they're all conveniently in new york but that's, we're not in anchovies yet that's an answer yeah we're not in anchovies <laughs> i mean yet. i have a headcanon explanation for that but yeah let's hear it so my, my headcanon explanation for it, because Yaudel, you know, Winters knows that they're going to be coming. So for whatever reason, they're drawn to the portal, whether it's to like bring in other monsters or whatever it may be. I think that they are drawn to the portal. They know that something's going to happen. And so they're just kind of getting ready for ground zero when other monsters come through to take over. You know what? Mm-hmm. You know what? That actually tracks because he does, when he first hires Karai in the foot, he says, I have some friends coming to town. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So you know what? That that tracks. All right. I accept that. I no I longer it. think that is a gripe. <laughs> I've had that gripe for 15 years, Spencer. Oh, I've been getting it for a second, too, and then I made myself... Finally put it to bed. <laughs> I had it, too. Stricken from the anchovies. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm checking it off the list right now. <laughs> Casey's outfit is basically his outfit from 2003. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, he wears a, he wears a t shirt, and Casey in the show wears a tank top, but you know, it's the red and the blue. Um, April's ninja suit that she just got on a trip in Japan, like April, you you didn't have to go to Japan to buy that. You probably could have had someone make it here. <laughs> just thought that was funny. Yeah, I mean, it's the truth. I, I love- Etsy didn't exist yet, you know. Like, <laughs> no, but you had cosplayers. I love that the armor only protects like one shoulder and her stomach, but not, like n- none of the vital organs. <laughs> it's just gloss. It's just it's just a bright. Uh, yeah, apparently, yeah. <laughs> the show that Splinter wanted to watch uh, before the news like cut to the building that uh, the turtles wrecked. Uh, he was watching Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Which was a WB property at the time, so that tracks. And yeah, I, I don't think I have any other. I don't think I have anything. Anything more? Oh, to I got. Around. Oh, you have more. Oh yeah, no. I mean, oh, there, cool. there's there's a lot of there's a lot of neat like little things in this movie. Um, 
like Raph saying, I love being the turtle. The oh, yeah. Casey, you know, not, you know, two minutes for high sticking. Um, this is apparently the second movie to include a dedication. Uh, the other one being Secret of the Use for Jim Henson. Uh, one of the names for the film in pre-production was called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Immortal. Which makes is sense because Winters of, is immortal. Yeah, it's kind of a lame name to be honest. So uh, apparently one version of the script had Raph die and then oh. Don would use those like heart pacemaker things that Winters uses on the statues to bring him back to life. So maybe that was like that was an idea. Oh, that's a good idea. I like yeah. the song at the beginning of the movie, uh, "Shell Shock" by by Gym Class Heroes. Hadn't heard them in years. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. If you were a pop punk fan back in the mid two thousands, Gym Class Heroes isn't pop punk. And this was a pop punk song. No, it's not. That is, that is, this is rap. That, like it's 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 kind of rap. rock rap, but it's not pop yeah. punk. It feels like pop punk to me. No, pop punk is like the uh wow, now that I'm on the spot, I can't remember any of the names of the bands <laughs> that are in this movie. But you know, like like Providence, you know, that's in there, or mm. uh cute is what we aim for, you know. That's what I was thinking of. Like, Sorry. Oh man, what we I totally... aim for is in there. Uh yeah, you're right. Oh, you're man, right. I, I you right. go on about this soundtrack later. But... <laughs> uh so um i guess because of this movie and because of how the how i mentioned like there wasn't a toy line for back to the sewer the this toy line kind of became the de facto um toy line for uh back to the sewer because they also tweaked the turtle designs to be closer to how they looked in the movie like splinter especially i think got Mm -hmm. the strongest like redesigned to look like this splinter yeah so yeah i remember hearing about that how they made them like that's why they changed the design is because playmates requested it and for bag to the sewers yeah and and so because playmates love them or hate them they have a lot of sway in ninja turtles like you know they they make it the toys so the whole point of turtles being that franchise to sell toys Mm-hmm. like you know they have they have to request that kind of stuff and so the turtle like the turtles designs changing for back to the sewer especially after the the redesigns they had for fast forward that, that makes sense it does kind of stink that they just kept using the 2007 movie toys mm-hmm. instead of like making ones based off of the show but yeah like there's no back to the sewer toy line because like the movie toy line just kind of became that. Well, back to the sewers didn't even get its full season. Like it got half a season, you know, I mean, they at least gave the series a good ending, but it only got half a season. Yeah. That's a good ending. Uh, and then up until next year, this is the only fully animated Ninja Turtles movie. The actual movie. Yeah. Hmm. True. Cool, cool. All right. I think that is it for me yeah we can we can talk about anchovies now no anchovies you put anchovies on this thing and you're in big trouble okay who wants to start (laughs) so i 
like I said, I don't hate this movie. It's also, it's just very boring. And it's very, it's very by the numbers. It's a very formulaic movie. Anytime that the turtles aren't on screen or like doing like the family, like all the stuff with the turtles and them being a family. And that is the best part of this movie. All the stuff with Yaddle and the 13 monsters is so boring and just it 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 feels so weird hmm. and i just i don't i just don't like it hmm. my big thing was like this convert this aligning of the stars only happens every three thousand years so winters he has three thousand years to get these statues and the monsters all together but he waits till like the night before to do yeah. to do his homework you know like yeah exactly like you could and planets aligning plots are always boring anyway because like, <laughs> there's so many of them it's just, said, like this it movie, automatically this movie, makes a time crunch you know <laughs> yeah like it, it automatically makes this time crunch and it's like you know all oh, the stars of Keegan or whatever and it's like okay it, it, it just it just feels so out of the turtles' league like especially just these turtles like idw turtles yeah that probably would make more sense for them but like it it, it i don't know tonally it just feels weird especially like when you try to reconcile this with the original trilogy turtles like it, it, it just it feels too too out of their league yeah it, it kind of feels like one of those guest era mirage comics like remember the one that we read with uh it was like an ac farley book and there was there was some guy that was like hunting vampires and like he had his own backstory and other yeah. characters and adversaries. Like it feels like that. Like there, there, there was this movie made with the 13 monsters and four generals. And then, uh, you know, there was a guest artist who came in and just like added the turtles to it. Kind of like AC. Yeah, because done. like because yeah. you have because you have like that, that, that beginning that opening prologue um, where like it's like a minute describing like the turtles. And then it's like the next 10 minutes are Yowdle. Mm-hmm. It's not 10 minutes, but it's like, it just feels like they, they spend so much time setting up Yowdle and the, and the, and the prophecy and the, the monsters and the generals. It just, it takes so long to set that up that you're like, is this still a Turtles movie? I can because see- even then, like, because even then, even then, like Leo still doesn't show up until like the fifteen minute mark. Yeah, yeah. My the thing that I'll say is like, sure, maybe like planets aligning and stuff is overdone. However, when you're a kid and everything is brand new, <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, yeah. Like, to be fair, yeah, I yeah. was in like I said, I was in my mid twenties when I saw it. Yeah. So, like, I yeah, I've seen it before. I definitely was not the target audience for this movie. I get that. There were things in it mm. I enjoyed, but I oh, was yeah, not like, the target audience for it. Yeah. No, like, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, your, your complaints are definitely valid. I'll just say that sometimes when you're making things for the kids and for kids, it's okay if you do stuff that's already been done before because yeah, kids, it's, everything's brand new to them, you know? And so some of this stuff is like classic things that you can do that kids will still you know 
I don't even mind when things are redone. It's just, I want to see a fresh version of it. And just to me, like this is to feel very fresh. Um, so anyway, that's that. Like the story, like I said, it, it's, a, it's a very mid movie when the turtles aren't on screen and it's not the family dynamic. It's, it's boring to me. Um, the character designs, not a fan. Oh, um really i especially the humans yeah oh, um, like i'm glad of, they didn't go too far with it though like they're clearly you know cgi humans and not going like what was that the like, polar express with yeah. the cgi like, Tom Hanks? yeah like, oh, granted like like granted like this doesn't this doesn't ever fall into like uncanny valley territory so it's not bad in that sense um and i'm glad i'm glad that it's stylized because it makes this not age as bad mm-hmm. um but you know all of the women like there there's there's like th- there's three women in this movie there's april karai and then there's the village woman at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. and all three of them are in, just like they're stick figures they are so skinny with huge heads Karai gets a pass because like her costume is bulky. Like she's still she's still skinny, but like her, but the costume makes like fills her out. I actually think Karai is one of my favorite designs in the movie. Yeah. Um, but but all of the women are like entirely too skinny. Um, and then like Casey, Casey and April, and then there's like this little boy in the in the village at the beginning of the movie. They all have anime hair, which cracks me up um like anime protagonist hair um or just the just very mid-2000s like split split bangs um that everybody tried to do in the early 2000s um middle parts are are what's in now with the kids so i i know i I'm heard back. middle parts are, I'm back. i heard middle parts are coming back i wish i had hair or i'd, I'd be doing it too <laughs> uh, um but yeah, like the the character designs like aren't terrible. They're just they're just they're very stylized, and it's it it's a very early two thousands design. Like this movie came out in two thousand seven, which means like it was being worked on in two thousand five. So it's like you have all of those kind of like very early CGI style, um, uh, like design choices. I, the, the turtles i think the turtles faces are fine for the most part actually i like their body proportion i think i, I like when the turtles are tall and hunky. you know it, it, it was it was an interesting change because like we had been you know they'd been the round boys in 87 and in 2003 and then it's like you have these tall lankier turtles in the movie and it's like okay and they and they kind of changed it to like Mikey was a little shorter. Raph is a little thicker because he's yeah. you know he's more buff. Um, but yeah. I think I like the, the little subtleties in all their character designs. Like their eyes yeah, are like, different and their snouts are different and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. So Mikey, uh, Donnie, Raph, and Leo all have brown eyes, like different shades of brown. Mikey's the only one with blue eyes. Huh. Um, because they wanted they wanted Mikey to feel like feel younger. So that's why they gave him the blue eyes. Um, then the, and the the faces are are kind of where 
it gets me because like they their their faces are very wide and like their mouth stretches the entire width of their face sometimes it gets a little too far it gets a <laughs> like, little gets a little too far yeah it almost and looks like the like top of their get, head's gonna just like fall off the back <laughs> like it's yeah, so wide there's yeah. there's one there's one scene where um mikey yawns mm-hmm. and it's like the size of his mouth should not fit in the dimension in his head <laughs> And it's like it's a cartoon, so it, 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 you get a pass. But it's like they they overemphasize the mouths too much, and then like Mikey's eyes are like really small and beady, and it just it I don't know. Like the faces just needed a little bit more work to me. Like they're they're not my favorite facial designs. Um, they they look like ducks in some scenes too, because like the way the snouts, like the beaks are literal beaks. They're so long. <laughs> but you spencer what'd you hate about this movie um for me there was only a few things that like that uh don't hold up so one i'm pretty sure there's a continuity error um because general Aguila tells yaudel that there's one monster left but Raphael, after that scene fights the little tiny monster that's supposed to be like the jersey devil mm. And then there's also the giant big one that they have to bring in later. So there's actually two. Uh, so, in, so he actually says there's three monsters left. Oh, so there's three monsters left? Okay. So yeah, so he, says there's three, so he says there's three monsters left, then the Jersey Devil, and then they know that there's one more monster after they try to slot Leo in as the 12th monster. Okay. I think they're supposed to slot him as a thirteenth monster, but yeah, you, you you might be wrong, but it's like, but but I mean, clearly that thirteenth monster is there, so yeah, it, it, they have that whole something's not adding up there, but yeah, yeah. So anyway, I guess I was wrong on the continuity thing. So one of my anchovies is now stricken from the record. That's just me not paying close enough attention. Now it's sausage. Hey, see, that's that's two stricken from the record. This movie's got two two anchovies redeemed. Pulled off two, two anchovies pulled off the pizza. Off the pizza. Yeah. Uh, my next one is a big, massive, like, the whole Raph and Leo scene depends on this. Why does Leo not like the Night Watcher? Not to mention when he's, like, lecturing him, he's, like, telling him not to be a vigilante and stuff. And he seems to, I don't know, he always keeps bringing up a problem with, like, this vigilante. But, like, their friend Casey Jones is a vigilante yeah the, the turtles the turtles themselves are, are vigilantes. vigilantes yeah michael vigilantes. talks yeah. about busting up crime syndicates you know when yeah. he's, he's talking about his glory days um it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a double standard um it and it's it's that problem that you know that a lot of creators have writing character like leader characters like leo and cyclops you know, where they get in that pattern where they have to be sticks in the mud and they have to not like the popular thing for whatever reason. Yeah. You know, and it's, I, and it's, yeah, like you're right. Like Leo has no reason to hate the Night Watcher other than like he may not agree with his methods. Mm-hmm. Like he, he could have been like the night, you know, the Night Watcher's a little too violent, like how Casey used to be. You know, mm-hmm. oh, and he kind of reminds me of he kind of reminds me of Raph. Like, uh, uh, like there was never that moment well, of it. Yeah. But also, like Leo's Leo's been back in the city for like a day before he finds out about the Night Watcher. 
Yeah. Well, then it could be something ultimately where he's like in their territory. He's he's around their stomping grounds, and so he wants him gone. Uh, I guess the only, that's like the best logical idea I can come up with. But that's not what he lectures him on, and that's he doesn't ever mention that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, there's never, there's never a compelling reason for him to not like the Night Watcher, other than, like you said, like he's in his territory, and he may not agree with his methods. But he like, yeah, like, no reason, family, you know, like in that area. But which, like, he, which, like, again, like he isn't because 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 the news already knows he's the Night Watcher. Yeah, yeah. Spencer, your your anchovy kind of goes hand in hand with my big anchovy for this movie, which is like. At the beginning, Casey mentions to Raph, like, you look like a big metal turtle. Yeah. He knows it's Raph right away. But Leo doesn't, even though he looks like a big metal turtle. It's even kind of implied earlier in the movie that, like, Leo's like, okay, Raph sleeps all day, but what's he do all night? And I think, like, that scene just needed something where, like, when Leo's on the roof throwing uh, those knives down, it just needed him to say, like, I somehow I knew it was Raph or something, you know, like when he punches his uh, helmet off, be like, it's over Raph. And, and yeah, Raph's like, how'd you figure it out? He's like, well, you look like a big, big metal turtle, you know, bring it back. Yeah, to that. Like, like it needed know, some that, cohesion that there. Been, yeah. No, that's, you're absolutely right. Like that would have been a perfect callback to what Casey said, like yeah. making it seem like Raph's not as smart as he, as he thinks he is hide, trying to hide his identity. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, there's no reason for Raph to hide his identity. Yeah, well, and then it, it kind of gives you, it kind of gives a reason why Leo doesn't like the Night Watcher because it's kind of implied that like Leo has already figured out that Raph is the Night Watcher, you know? Yeah. So but yeah he's kind of playing but, around with it with his brothers, but like deep down he knows and Raph maybe doesn't know that he knows, you know? But, that, but, then, but then that's the thing is like Leo is so surprised by it, but by finding out that Raph is the Night Watcher. Yeah, even though he looks like a big metal turtle. <laughs> even though he looks like a big metal turtle. Like Leo is so genuinely surprised yeah. by it. Like you can't, you can't say that. Oh, he might have known the entire time. Like it's, mm. yeah. So it's, that's like that's like the like, one detail. If I if I could write this whole movie over, that's like the one detail I would change. Is like Leo has figured it out, or he has an assumption that Raph is the Night Watcher. Yeah. And then, okay, so circling back, the Stone Generals are boring bad guys. <laughs> like. You know, three of them don't talk until the very end of the movie. The designs aren't even visually interesting, like because they're so hard to see what the designs are because they're all stone. And the only time we ever see them is the sepia at the beginning, and you can't tell you can't tell what the designs look like because they just look like stone and sepia. And then at the very end, when they go in the portal, when they change back into humans, like they're flashing off the screen so quickly, you don't get to see, you know, what they really look like. So, and then, yeah, like, granted, like, there's stone, you know, people that are coming back to life for the first time in 3,000 years, but, like, they just kind of walk into a scene, punch a monster, and then they walk out of the scene. Like, there's, they're, they're, they don't, they don't punch, they dump a, they flip a garbage dump onto him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's. No, I I don't know. I I like. Them. Yeah, like, and then they're cool. <laughs> and then like winters, um, like <laughs> I don't know. It's it's like it's like the, uh, it's like David Zanatos in Gargoyles. How he just winters has this obnoxious building in the middle of New York, 
Uh, I just think that's I just think that's funny. And then it's like when gotta have the evil tower, man. So you gotta have the evil tower with the one elevator. (laughs) The elevator's his office too. Did you notice that? Oh, was the elevators? Oh, you're right. The The elevators' office. office. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. That's a neat design, but yeah, but it's also annoying because it's like, okay, so once he dies, like, what do you do with the company? (laughs) (laughs) Because even then, because like, was when April introduces Winters, she says like, you know, he's into everything. He's one of the most powerful men in the world. You know, he's into pharmaceuticals and you know technology and this and this and this, and it's like they're gonna notice their ceo died <laughs> yeah but the story doesn't get that far you know? like it, <laughs> granted yeah like the story doesn't get that far it just it would have been it would have been neat if he's like april like before he dies he's like i want you to have all of my and then he like disappears <laughs> i forgot to write a oh will. man yeah, they have a um, yeah, will. i forgot, I forgot to i forgot to write a will <laughs> yeah um I've lived. I've lived for four thousand years. I didn't think I needed one. Well, this is the same guy that waited till the night before to round up thirteen monsters. So. That's that is also yeah. very true. I mean, uh, same though. You know, like I'm I, the exact same way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Hey, to be fair, I didn't watch this movie to prep for this until last night. So I get, I get it, Max Winters. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> when you're immortal time just kind of escapes you you know and you're just like oh shoot it's that time already i forgot i was keeping track of that (laughs) yeah i guess so (laughs) oh man all right well i think i think that's enough anchovies i do have one tiny little thing when leo like is fighting when they're fighting the stone soldiers leo gets knocked into no i don't just ah and then he like for some reason puts them all in his shell and then says like come to daddy it's like, why does he need all these swords? What is the point of this? Why is this so cool? Because he's the sword guy. I I had that I had that one as one one of my I love being a turtle. Yeah, you can. So like, after that, you can see him kind of use one or two of the swords real quick, and they get knocked good, out yeah, of his hand. hands. It's like yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's using them and they're getting knocked out of his hands. Yeah, yeah. he has two swords though, and he. I don't know if he's a good enough swordsman. Just, he shouldn't need a whole ton of swords to get knocked out of his hands. He's right. just silly. Oh, it's so dumb. All right. It was, you know what, you know what it was? It was one of the first genuinely like like nerdy Leo things outside of like being I'm the leader. It's one of the first genuinely like nerdy Leo things that he's ever done. All right. And I think I think that's why I love it so much. Opposite. Because <laughs> it goes so quick. It makes such a big deal of it, and then nothing happens from it. I was like, mm. yeah, yeah. All right. So I think now this pizza's got enough anchovies. Yeah, we can talk about things. All right. Let's... Oh, I love being a turtle. So in Is the love fight the at the end, Leo... so in... <laughs> yeah. So in the fight at the end, Leo gets knocked into this case of swords, <laughs> and then he puts them all in his belt, and I just love that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <there you> <laughs> So first thing for starters, the soundtrack for this movie is great. And I'm not even just talking about pretty like, good. I'm not even just talking about like all the, the songs that they kind of like, for the most part, they just kind of use the intros of them or little tiny interludes in them for tiny transitions of scenes. But like the 
the actual like score that they have that's in it's definitely not all throughout the film because they only got him to do two songs for it essentially at least that's what's on the album but they got Klaus Baldet, who did the music for Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, to write the score for this movie. And I think it's one of those things that does elevate a lot of the emotional moments and a lot of the moments in this movie a lot more than the previous films had. Like, its soundtrack, in my opinion, is the strongest of any Ninja Turtle movie as far as, like, its scoring goes. There's not a lot of it, but the score is very emotionally and very, I don't know, it just gets you into it when you're watching it. Yeah. In my opinion, it, it really sells, helps sell the movie and its emotional moments. Um, I like that they have like kind of a theme song, like almost like how the Avengers like have a, a song that's like reminds you of the Avengers. Like they have like a uh-huh. Turtles like orchestra song, you know? It's yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's it's got that. I mean, I love this in two thousands movies. The scoring of you've kind of got this like electric guitar like doing da 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 in the background with the orchestra. <laughs> It's all yeah. over in the 2000s. And I, I love that and miss that in movies. Like you can hear it in like National Treasure. Uh, you can hear it in, in so many movies. I kind of miss it. But it also works great for Ninja Turtles. And this is also kind of why I like the jingle for the 2003 series as well. Is that it It creates like this like modern but like urbanized ninja feel with it. You know, I'd say this movie kind of borders more along Secret Agent than it does Ninja with its sound but still it kind of gives you that sneaky uh kind of feeling about it but yeah definitely night watcher like elevates that fight scene besides the incredible fight choreography i mean if we're, we can already get into that scene of the raft versus leo fight good. but the, the music really elevates it as well like mm-hmm. on top of yeah. everything else that's going on uh, it's it's like heavy drums and like like they're like war drums Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah like you you talk to anybody and like you know you ask them hey what's your favorite scene from the 2017 nt movie and everyone literally everyone says the rap and leo fight it's yeah. so good because it because it's, it is it's very good it's very well choreographed um, they're like they're fighting like there's a there's a point where leo like stabs his sword at raf and like thank god raf doesn't have ears because he would have taken his ear right off like it it's a yeah, fight like, yeah well yeah like they're they are fighting to the death and it's like it, it is it's very good yeah. um i love that like i think like, raf wins but you can tell like he like he immediately realizes that he, nobody could win this fight you know like oh he yeah, physically exactly. won because he was able to, that. to take it farther, but like he's he's but, messed up their relationship now, you know. Like it's but yeah, but it, and, and and the way he realizes that is like you know he sees Leo like on the ground, Leo's just kind of staring at him, and then like you can see like Rash's eyes kind of like they they're angry, and then like they start shifting more mm-hmm. to like oh crap, and then when Raph runs away, like. The caption said panting, but I've always thought he was crying. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love I love the moment too when he gets back to the to the sewer and he talks to Splinter. And like he just came in to hardly process what he's done. He's just like knocking oh, yeah, over and stuff. He's, he's he's mumbling, he's he's like yeah. panic talking. And you then know, Splinter he, Splinter like talks him down. He's he says like the best thing ever. He says, just because at times you're not my favorite student, doesn't mean you're my least favorite son. And I think that 
Yeah. Like that whole interaction between them is fantastic. Yeah. Which leads into something else I also love about Splinter in this is like there's like Splinter the master and Splinter the father. Yeah. When Leo shows up at home Mm -hmm. and first like reports to Splinter, he talks to him as his master. And then after he's done doing that, he drops his guard and comes over and tells his son, welcome home and hugs him. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you hear you hear Leo like, you know, thank you, master. Like, I, I will try better sensei. Yeah. And then, like, after after he's done, like, getting debriefed, he goes, I've missed you, father. Mm-hmm. And Splinter and, hugs him. And, yeah. and Splinter hugs him. And it's like, I, I love stuff like that. Um, because, like I said, like, all the stuff between the family is great in this movie. Mm-hmm. One of my all-time favorite scenes, and, like, this goes, this goes back to, like, when I first watched it in 2007 is the scene where Raph and Casey are talking on the roof and it's just the two of them. It's like, it's right after Raph, like Casey, you know, outs Raph, like, you know, you're the, you're big metal turtle. Like, and the two of them are talking about how like, you know, Raph doesn't need Leo anymore. Like, cause Leo's still gone at this point. And then Casey has his speech about like April wanting to settle down and how he's not ready for that. And it's like that, that felt so real and it's like that's that's why i always assumed these characters were older than they were mm-hmm. because i was like these, these are these are grown-up conversations these are not something that teenage turtles would be talking about yeah they, they feel like much more like a family than really anything up to this point in turtles you know like it seemed like they really well care for each other love it well like you know, this is an anchovy I left out, um, but I just got reminded of it. So I'm going to circle back to anchovies real quick. <laughs> Mikey and Donnie have nothing to do in this movie. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same problem as the first movie. Like, there's so it's, much it's going on same, with Leo it's and the same problem as, Yeah, with a lot. Of, yeah, like it's the same problem with a lot of movies. That like everything is about Leo and Raph because like that's the Cyclops Wolverine relationship. That's the most interesting one. But mm-hmm. it's like Mikey, Mikey and Donnie get sidelined in this movie. Which really sucks. They do have a great bit though, uh, towards they the very the... end when Winters comes crashing down, and Mikey's like, "Winters, more like fall." Get it? Don tells yeah. says, "Mikey, remember our talk." Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of good there's a lot of good, like one-liners and like little like little witty things in this movie. So like, many good quotes in this movie. Yeah. So like, many I love ones. I love one of my favorite is like. Raf, Raf's already gone because uh, he quit the team and they're, like they're they're talking about their plan and then like they're talking about their plan to find the monsters and talking about the legend of the stars of Keegan and then like Leo out of nowhere is like Raf would have just messed this up anyway blah, blah, blah. and then Donnie's like okay we weren't talking about Raf yeah <laughs> okay yeah uh, or you know you like, got okay, like nobody was talking about Raf but okay sure yeah and you've got like uh, Michelangelo with like, sure they got a bunch of guns, but not like these guns. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I like. Uh, I think when, one of my when Raph and Casey like Casey reveals that like, he knows that Raph is the Night Watcher, and uh-huh. Raph is like, oh, I need a sidekick, and Casey's like, no, you're the sidekick. Uh-huh. Like that's funny, but then later uh, Raph is like he's outside the window he's like casey come meet me on the roof and casey's like what is it he's like the roof you know what the roof is right roof is and he, yeah. he goes up to the roof when casey stands up he's like geez pushy sidekick 
Yeah. Yeah. Hilarious. So, yeah, like I, lo- I love, I love their banter for like, you know, who's the sidekick. Yeah. Um, one of my all-time favorite line readings is you have you have like the serious scene, like it, it it's building up to the end where like Karai, Karai and all of the foot soldiers are marching out of the Winters building, and she's like, you know, guard the perimeter. And she like sit like she does the cool ninja thing where like she just points her hand out and like half of them run out and she points her hand the other her other hand the other way and like the rest of them walk out and she walks towards the front gate because they're knocking on it and she like opens it all dramatically and just stares she's like you've got to be kidding me <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it's Casey it's Casey with the car, with the cowabunga Carl head on but it's like yeah. the the deadpan you've got to be kidding me is so funny to me it's like i just i crack up every time i hear it yeah i oh man so like another line i love is the guys coming out of the robbery at the beginning and he's just like hey guys i got a toaster and then yes jimmy <laughs> boss i'll impress by your work ethic. i love your work yeah, like, and that, and that's like a that's like a funny cartoon thing. Like, and I I I have to imagine that Peter Laird hated that line because <laughs> it's because it's fun. <laughs> so I have to imagine that he hated it. I, I do. I really um, don't think Peter was against fun. I just think he was. He just doesn't. I know, I'm just, I'm just, just focused on the series. Um. Uh, Mako uh, as Splinter is amazing. Oh yeah. Um, yes. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it is unfortunate. He so this this was Mako's last film. Um, literally the day um, was it? It was yeah. He was announced as Splinter at uh, the two thousand. I think it was the two thousand six Comic Con in San Diego, and the day after he was announced, he passed away. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so he thankfully had finished recording most of his lines um and i think yeah i i don't i don't know how many he had left to record but greg baldwin who was already his double on um on avatar the last airbender um filled in the rest of the lines that mako didn't record before he passed yeah so I, I, I think I know which lines are Greg's. And most of it is Mako anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, I think they only credited Mako in the movie. But Greg, but Greg did say he, he had recorded the lines, but they, they only credited Mako as out of respect. Yeah, another another thing I love in this movie is tech support. Mako is the Mako is the Mako is the dedication that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, 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 yeah. Another thing that I do love in this movie though is like tech support Donnie when he's you know, yeah. That's that's, a, that's like a no brainer job for him. Yeah. Did you turn the computer on? Did you plug the computer in? Yeah, that might help. I'm telling no, you, sir, I'm... it's not that kind of phone line. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah that's a good bit <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know if this yeah, is like, supposed to be funny but something that cracks me up is uh so it's, it's after raf and casey see the monster and raf gets shot with the tranquilizer dart he throws down a smoke pellet and like casey doesn't run he just kind of coughs because he's got allergies but you can see in the background like raf 
running away. <laughs> I, I always thought that was the funniest thing. I don't know. I don't know if it's supposed to be played for last or not, but I thought it's hilarious that you can still see him running away in the background. Well, it's like, yeah, and it's, yeah, and it's like he doesn't tell Casey like, "Hey, let's go." He just does it, yeah. and then assumes Casey shouldn't should know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another another quote I love from it is uh, Winters when Karai first shows up and he's like, "If you've come to kill me, I'd rather you make it. Can you make it fast? I've got a shareholders meeting at ten. I'd rather miss yeah. it." Yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's a good line. It's good uh, reading. Yeah, um, I, I love this movie. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, my biggest quote that I love from this movie is the very ending when uh, just Raphael like his like little monologue he gives at the end. Mm-hmm. Like it gets me like weirdly emotional and it shouldn't because it's kind of stupid and corny, but it does. But you know, it's him just saying, like, we live together, we train together, we fight together, we stand for good together. We are ninjas. We strike hard, defend, protect, and fade into the night. And there ain't no bad guy or monster that's ever going to change that. That's what's important. And that's why we'll always be brothers. And then he does the oh, I love being a turtle, which is like my favorite reading of the I love being a turtle line. Like there's just something yeah. about the way that Nolan North reads that line that's like so genuine that yeah. you're just yeah. like boom. And we like and we mentioned it earlier, like this voice cast is stacked. Yeah. Um like Nolan North absolutely one of the best Raphael voices, hands down. Yeah. Like I think I think for I think for an older rap like this is supposed to be, he's perfect. Mm-hmm. I love the action in this movie. Like, yeah, like the the fight at Winter's Tower is amazing, um, and it's like I think, like yeah, like the the Leo Raff fight on the roof is great, mm-hmm. but the but the choreography and the single camera shot, yeah, of the yeah. fight of the like, fight outside of Winter. Holy yeah. crap, that That's is awesome. so cool! And it's like it's that really cool low angle, and it's like it zooms in and it follows. Like it, it follows the turtles, and like what my favorite shot is when like Splinter kicks a foot soldier, and then the camera tracks with him back into the crowd, mm-hmm. like oh, as he's as he's like running, um, which we don't ever see Splinter run very often, so so that was a little weird too. But I just I love I love that shot, and it's got that remix of Lights Out by Pod in the background. Yes, you know? <laughs> like oh yeah, tells it. You know yeah. another. Another super fun action scene right at the beginning that just makes me grin ear to ear the whole time is Mikey skating in the sewers. Like, and you've got Rip It Up by Jet and playing in, you know, in the background. And he's just like, he's just skating through the sewers and it's just looks so fun. I remember, you know, seeing a scene as a kid and being like, I want a skateboard, you know? And uh, (laughs) it's funny. I did that last night because I've been taking the bus to work last week. uh I'm like, Am I too old to learn how to skateboard while watching Pepsi? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I went out, yeah, it was when I was like 10 years old, 10, 11 years old. I did a whole bunch of extra chores so I could finally get money to purchase a skateboard. So I finally got a whole $20 and bought a $20 skateboard from Walmart with plastic trucks and, uh, you know, brought it to the edge of a half pipe and then immediately could not get the guts to uh, go over the edge of the half pipe and quit skating <laughs> So, there you go. <laughs> I really love uh, even just like the opening scene of this like there's a lot of advantages of them using CGI right like you get these mm-hmm. like we talked about the camera following them but even like 
them just jumping along the roofs looks really cool. And there's even a part where like one of them jumps on the other turtle and then off of them. Like it, it's so cool the things they do in this movie. Yeah, like they, there's so much they can accomplish with CGI that wouldn't be, it wouldn't be possible any other way. Like, yeah, you know, and so it kind of lets them be superhuman as characters, uh, which I enjoy. Yeah, yeah just like that over the top, like you hit a guy and he goes flying, you know, yeah, it like brings that over as, the top. As much, as much as like, especially older fans, as much as they love the original movies and the suit costumes, there's really only so much you can do with that. And so like, cgi like works for for show like for stuff like this yeah well like, they can they can defy physics a little bit you know like for example yeah. the wheel of fortune scene in in the 1990 movie where like you know it's like wheel of fortune and they spin him and michael is supposed to be hitting guys but like you see him hitting them and it's very obvious that he's not hitting them very hard and they're just kind of throwing themselves with cgi you can speed up his momentum in a way that you could not actually succeed to do as a human and actually make it look like he's hitting them and make these characters actually right. look fine when he hits them well yeah i mean yeah like even just you can have them chase 13 beasts and have a, a portal <laughs> to, yeah. to another dimension like you it's yeah it, it's one of the and i think that's why like another thing is like it feels so totally different than the original trilogy because you have the turtles doing that kind of stuff yeah. Well, yeah i mean it ends up being as limitless as a comic book is and you know like that's one of the things yeah. about ninja turtle comic books and why it's worked so well as a comic book is that it, comics are limitless as far as what you can do on the page uh and animation is very much in the same ballpark you know i mean some things may take a little more work to animate are more expensive but mm. animation allows you to do things that just couldn't quite carry over into live action the same way you know yep i thought the the CGI for this movie held up really well. Mm-hmm. Like it, I think, it didn't I think look most, like it was fifteen years old. You know, I think I think most of it holds up pretty well. There, there are some shots, and granted, I'm yeah, I'm lying down in bed right now from the TV I watched it on last night. I'm about ten feet away mm-hmm. um, from from the TV, and it looked great. Yeah, uh, there. I, I mentioned it earlier. The the, the humans are kind of rough um especially like if they're not uh main humans like casey april and uh Uh winters like because the the diner chef that kevin smith plays is very rough (laughs) yeah no he he doesn't look Um, great great you can tell he was a yeah that was a that was a quick model they did (laughs) i know i and it's funny like i remember kevin smith being incredibly happy that he played that he was in this movie um Mm -hmm. Like he was, he was just so like, oh, I can't believe they asked me to be in this. And it's like, I never pictured Kevin Smith as like a Turtles fan because he's, he's, he's out of that Turtles range. Like he's, he knows of the Turtles and like, you know, he was a comic book guy. And so he, he's been on the ground floor, but it's like to have him be like, oh, I wanted to, you know, I'm happy that I'm in this movie and like, I'm genuinely excited for it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't believe that Kevin Smith would do something that he didn't want to do. And like, bull you know lie about it basically <laughs> yeah you know yeah he's I, a pretty upfront guy so, yeah he's a pretty upfront guy so like when he says he was genuinely excited to be in this movie you know i take him for his word yeah um 
Did you guys ever play the video games based off this movie? I watched my friend play the opening of TMNT, the video game, like the first little bit. I thought it was super cool. Wanted to play it. Finally bought it for my PC from someone and my PC is too new to play it. So oh, that's tragic. Oh, no. <laughs> that's, that's the saddest story I've, I've heard all month. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's so tragic oh i sat God. and watched like youtube video and like looked up things all across reddit trying to find some way to make it so i can play this game on my computer tried every conceivable way i can't figure it out so yeah. i bought it from Butter. a thrift store on uh, uh i think i have it on gamecube but I, I have yet to put it in but i have the next week off so that might be a there you go something i, I try and do well, but, keep an eye on our instagram then yeah, yeah, was, yeah. I I did play the uh, the Game Boy Advance version, which is that fantastic. Was, so that was the one I was I was gonna say. Uh, I didn't play that one originally when it came out. Um, it was more within the last couple of years that that I finally like got it. Um, and it's great. Like it's yeah. it's a, and so the so the main the main version that came out for PS2, the PSP, PC um gamecube wii xbox 360 and the nintendo 3ds those were all roughly the same kind of game um and that game that specific version was like apparently not good um very like mediocre got bad reviews the game boy advanced version specifically is the only tmnt game from like this one that like got great reviews Hmm. it's like a it's and more like a the arcade game or pearls it's, of time. it's a, a side scroller beat em up and mm-hmm. that's why everybody loved it and they said it was the it was one of the best uh beat em ups since the original turtles in time game yeah Which, I, yeah it's it's good i think it's a little slower than that um but it's it's fantastic i have it um on my 3ds so I, like i i so i could so i could play it every now and then um but it's 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 really good and it, it follows scenes from the movie um but yeah if you, if you if you can pick it up if you have a game boy advance i'd you know i think you should try it yeah i really haven't played it since 2007 but i remember it being really really good so it's a little, yeah. little bummer because there's no multiplayer so like it's a very solo experience mm-hmm. Well, I don't have any friends, so that's perfectly fine with me. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, what were you saying, Spencer? I think I cut you off. I, I remember the trailers for the video game, and like they were the funniest thing in the world to me as a kid. Because you have, I think it's called Blue Danube. It's that old classical song. The Danube, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's in, and it's so it's all in slow motion, and they're like fighting the stone generals, and like one of them straight up just like chucks the video game itself at them like <laughs> it's it's just the wackiest silliest commercial and i remember thinking it was the funniest thing as a kid nice. i need to look that up that sounds pretty funny uh you know then you've got like leonardo at the end being like tmnt the video game you know buy it uh, so that, that's definitely my biggest memory of that video game is seeing it during my saturday morning cartoons and thinking it was mm-hmm. the funniest thing in the whole wide world <laughs> um designs in this movie i love karai's design i love the way the foot look raf's night watcher costume super cool 
I'd love to see that come back somehow, some way in the future. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of the flashlights on the head, just because it kind of makes him look like he has like Mickey Mouse ears. But otherwise, I think it's amazing. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And I also like that the foot in this movie are more like their actual original role in the comics. Uh, they're hired guns and assassins. You know, they're they're just kind of this group that you can hire out to assassinate or, you know, to, to fight things for you, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, and, that, and that's one of my favorite things that, like, Winters mentions is, like, I know your group used to be, you know, illustrious and you guys are now just hired thugs. Like, he meant the way he mentions that it's kind of like okay yeah but that, like, that's kind of just what the original role of the foot was if you read issue one is they're just assassins yeah. that you can hire they're not like i mean yes they're a criminal organization because they're assassins but it's not like they're you know shutter doesn't necessarily have a goal of like taking over the city or even of crime in the city he's just making a buck being mm-hmm. uh being the leader of this group that will assassinate people or be your bodyguards if you pay you know enough money for it so i I like that they do that uh in this series you get to see that with them yeah i mean i i didn't quite gush over the soundtrack as long as i thought i would (laughs) but (laughs) all i'm saying i discovered billy talent because of this soundtrack Ah, there you go talent great music yeah i'm out of things that i wrote down but i do love this movie this is i mean for me, it's like nothing's gonna top that first 1990 movie. Like that is that has grown with me, and it's kind of the standard that I hold other movies to. Like yeah. this movie is like a close second or third. You know, it's like it's like this and Batman Ninja Turtles is kind of my top three mm-hmm. uh, movies. So, which but I just want to point out, my top three favorite movies are from three different decades. So if you're one of those like guys who are like, ah, oh, nothing after. 87 is good like maybe give it a shot you know mm. <laughs> there's good stuff out there yeah at least like, give it a shot yeah like I, I i would recommend this movie to somebody who's like already kind of been into turtles yeah and it's like hey like here here's something you know that's that's a little different um than the normal stuff you may be used to but like you'll 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 have fun with it yeah, you kind of have to have the palette for it to enjoy it, you know? Yeah, like we said, like, you, you, you kind of have to already be a Turtles fan to really get this one, which I which was also kind of like, it's it's in the name, too. Like, they specifically don't call this movie Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They call it TMNT, which I remember also being a huge thing at the time because, like, it was the first, like, official, like, thing that called it TMNT. Mm-hmm. on like a name like you know granted like we had been calling it tmnt for years but like, this is the first thing that like on a national scale like for branding purposes called it tmnt and it was like oh like are people gonna know what that means because like you look at the you look at the logo for the movie and it if you didn't already know you wouldn't know this was a turtles movie yeah but like you know it inspired you know one of our one of our logos so it clearly it resonated yeah no i mean i i really love that logo they also use it well at least one that's really similar to it for the injustice games in injustice oh. 2 uh as mm-hmm. is the symbol that's right next to their their health bar well the, no, it's not your health bar that's next to it's your your meter bar um 
your meter meter yeah your power meter <laughs> yeah your meter meter, oh, meter, meter. <laughs> yeah the, the, your meter bar i mean that's what people always call it, like meter burning just your meter yeah, yeah your, your super combo kind of thing yeah. yeah so uh it's it's a it's a really good logo that i actually really like but yeah maybe that's just me so yeah that is uh that's the 2007 movie um <laughs> we hope you guys enjoyed our uh really long episode on it <laughs> yeah because this this it was fun it was fun to rewatch it i, I haven't watched it in a couple of years so it was nice to kind of kind of do something a little different um but yeah if you guys love this movie let us know somewhere on the internet um by hitting us up at ninja turtle phx twitter instagram facebook and discord so uh yep by the time this episode goes live uh we should have the link to our new ninja turtle power hour discord out um there's going to be channels in there for the different versions there's a general channel there's uh you know if you guys want to ask us questions about ninja turtle lore you know uh yeah that'll be out there so uh we'd love to see everybody join there's no uh you know usually discords are hidden behind patreons and stuff we don't have a patreon um so this is going to be a thing for us to hang out with and talk to other ninja turtles fans make it easier for you um and yeah um if you guys love this show tell a friend leave us a review um you know and yeah we love you <laughs> so spencer what are we going to do next week so next week we will be covering issues four and five of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Volume 3, also known as Urban Legends, also known as the Image Series. It's got a lot when of we're done, tell us a cyborg. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll just be, Spencer, it's just me and you next week, right? Mike's, Mike's yeah. uh, going on vacation? Yeah, uh, I got a got a little on on location assignment for next week, so I, I will be reading the issues from afar. Awesome, cool. That's our show this week. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, cowabunga, dudes. Cowabunga! You've got to be kidding me. <laughs>
freaking the next wave of uh, Ninja Turtle figures from NECA uh-huh. are going to be are going to be pre-orderable on the website. Oh, cool. Yeah, we can just leave all this in here then at the end of this, this bonus content. <laughs> if you're listening to this, sorry, it's the most boring bonus content ever probably, but here it is. Us thinking about news we could have forgotten. Yeah. Anyway. Those of you who care which issue you get. Uh, no, I don't. Cool. So, All right. better sign off because we're already way late. We talked about this movie for a yeah. while. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. See you later. Yep. Take care. Take care.